Say what you want about the restart, but we'd love to see fans, of course. Was it awkward to see an empty yellow wall? Yes, but I'm ecstatic that soccer's back and my beloved BVB smashed the Smurfs 4-0 over the weekend. It was by far the best Saturday since the quarantine started. A lot of things to analyze and process. Uh, We're seeing the sport that we love in a different light, and we have to settle for what we can get during these troubling times. I'm Carlos Cortez, along with Renee Canales, and welcome to a bonus episode of the 50-50 Ball Podcast. We thought what better thing to do than to have a digital roundtable discussion with some of our good friends who we know love the sport. We are joined by Angel Velez, Giovanni Ventura, and before I introduce our last guest, today, May 18th, is a special day for the Haitian community. Shout out to all my Zos out there on the day where they celebrate Haitian Flag Day, I thought who better than to have Brentwood Zone, a recipient of the Long Island Player of the Year Award presented by Newsday, Valora FC, and Haiti National Team Professional Soccer Player, Andrew Jean Baptiste. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I, sh- I should have worn my jersey. I had upstairs. <laughs> what an intro, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was, it was an amazing intro. <laughs> I want to so, kick things in. If you hear another commentator or radio host, Say word for word exactly what you said. I may have just sent him this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on, that's not familiar. <laughs> All right, man. I, I want to kick things off by asking you uh, the first question. You know, how are you, and you know, what are you doing to stay fit during the quarantine? For the most part, I mean, we we as a team, we have our workouts that we do every morning, a set running program that we have to do, uh, have completed by every day. That's just like the fitness side of it. And what we want, we're just waiting, patiently waiting until you just get the A-OK. to like, okay, we can get like five guys together, you know. And the thing is, you know, you have a lot of these people making like calls in this situation about, you know, maybe we shouldn't bring the soccer back right away. But, you know, until you start playing like 5v5, the whole training session can be non-contact. You know what I mean? Like rondos doesn't have to be contact. Passing drills doesn't have to be contact. Shooting drills doesn't have to be contact, you know. And so it's like, yo, let us play. You know, let us come back to the game, you know, what we love, you know. So right now, we just kind of just kind of fighting that itch that we deal with every day, of, you know, trying to get the ball back with the boys. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it is, you know, just always doing our own thing, get touches on the ball, get back to the basics, you know, do what you can by yourself. Now, are you guys required to have, um, like – team meetings with the team anything are you guys doing to oh yeah we do team meet- yeah we do team meetings we already done like breaking down videos and tactical and uh, uh formations of almost every team in the league we have like little like team bonding and chemistry exercises that we do uh like twice one times a week you know so we're always they we, we keep busy you know actually today we just actually got done um we got another assignment where we kind of get partnered up with somebody and then we're gonna have to like we're gonna like talk to them and drill them for 40 minutes, talking to them, like, asking questions, like, about their past, about their future. What do you think, you know, you could do and improve your game? What do you think you're lacking in? What do you think is your strength? You know, just something to get to know your your teammate, you know, because that might end up being your roommate. You know, you don't want it to be, you know, awkward. Yeah. You, know, you guys will talk for <laughs> 24 hours in the hotel, and y'all barely even chatted. Like, I don't even watch the same shows, but... <laughs> <laughs> So you brought up you brought up the past a little bit and um, a little fun fact. You played in Brentwood, obviously. Your mom was a very big, well-known person in the Brentwood soccer community. I actually played 
for uh, a team of hers. I, f- I forget the name. This was years ago. But how important was your mom in your raising in terms of soccer, like in terms of the ability, the things that you've been able to do? Because you mentioned my mom's, you know, and that's, that's, that's that queen of my life, you know. Can we, yo, just a quick quick vote. Can you put a hands up if you played against or played with my mom? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I, I, like, I, love that and stuff you know and uh you know my mom is passionate about the game she loves this game you know they her and my dad watching every football game from uh from america to central and south america to over to asia if they, if it's shown on Vienna or you know telemundo or whatever you know like if it's shown they're gonna watch it you know and uh Fox Sport or whatever. So for her she, she's she's the og man she just loves this game so much she can't get rid of it you know and to be honest with you she kind of put that on me where I absorb this game as our own, you know, and that's that's how our family is, you know. Uh, it's it's like football and family is, is one thing to us, you know. It's not two separate categories. It's one, and you know, and the fact that you played uh, played with her or against her, you know, Angel has she, she's been my coach for nine years, you know. It just it just goes to show that you know she she's loved the game just as much as we do, you know. She just, yeah, she wants some more jerseys, she wants some more jerseys, by the way, but. <laughs> it, it was a short period of time because at that point like i was already like past everything that i was able to do in terms of soccer so it was like i was there for like a few weeks and i was you listen the way she she holds down uh you know training sessions and whatnot i was i was it was crazy that's actually the reason why i was like yeah I'm not, maybe i'm not as cut out for this as i, as I thought i would be but it's, it's, no, listen, it, it helped you get to where you are now. You know, yeah, so man. like there, there's a reason why it's done that way. Exactly. And, and you can see by what you're what you've been able to do in terms of, you know, high school, college, pros. You've been in the MLS, now you're in Canada, the Haitian national team. I mean, it, it really is uh, a testament to her. Yeah, 100 percent, man. And, she, and for me, I call her OG because it's like, you know, she's a woman in a man's sport, in a man's world. And she don't get the benefit. She don't get the benefit of the doubt. And there, it's overlooked from where we from, from Brentwood, you from CI, you from Bishop, you know, you already overlooked about who you, where you, who you are and where you're from, you know, and she don't allow that. So she would talk to them in face like, yeah, they're from Brentwood, but they nice. Have you seen them ball? Hold on, watch this. You know what I mean? And you know, little do people know, she she put more players in, like, college and in professional jerseys than, I could say, for some of these top coaches at, you know, at Ripple Academy and stuff like that. They won't, you know what I mean? And they having a whole academy. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, we just got kids from the hood. Like, you know, angels around the block. <laughs> the block. You know, the boot, like, you talking about Wash Out, that's, that's my block. You know what I mean? You know, she's taking kids from this hood and put them in professional jerseys and stuff like that. You know, my boy was, um, Joseph Lopez was in El Salvador. Galindo was in Guatemala, you know, like me, I'm doing my thing. You know, other cats that could have went too. The, 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 the possibility for all of us was there, you know what I mean? And even coming where we were from, she made that happen, you know? And like, not many people even give her that respect. They just look at us like, nah, she the woman from Like, nah, she the queen bee of Brentwood. She, <laughs> you know, she made shit happen. All, all respect to her because... Shoot, I don't know where a lot of us would be. She wasn't in the hood. So l- let me ask you this. You've been able to maintain yourself as a professional soccer player. Have you had to change anything in your game in terms of maybe your diet, your your training, to maintain yourself on a roster? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, um, when I was young, I never cared for gym and all that stuff. I mean, I cared about, like, you know, being able to survive 90 minutes, 120 minutes. That's all, that's all I ever cared about. But gym stuff, upper body, lower body, ugh. Like, nah, I never did any of that stuff. It's, you know, when, you, when you're a younger player, you, your body comes, comes naturally and recovers faster. And, you know, and you don't really have to stress those little things. 
but then, you know, now time, I'm getting a little bit older, you know, like your body aches a little bit longer, you know what I mean? Like you can't go two days in a row going intense training or a game, you know, back to back, you know, so the recovery is different. So I, I, I definitely see myself in the gym and everything a whole lot more than I ever used to be, you know, just, you know, it's not, not to get big, it's just uh, recuperation and re- rehabilitation. What was the hardest adjustment for you in terms of changing leagues? You know, you played in MLS, you played in Sweden, you're now in Canada. What was the hardest transition for you throughout your career? The language, the language barriers, you know, I mean, every coach is different. Every team is different. They all have their own way of going about the game. So the best way is to take what they're telling you, even if it's broken English or whatever, you know, and you just kind of have to understand as best of your ability, get a translator or something, but then you have to go out and not only do the work that you know to do, but also keep in mind of what you just got taught to do, told to do, you know, and make sure you also do that and implement the coach's game plan because no matter how good you are, you know, if you don't, if you don't do what the coach say, then it just it, <laughs> you just find yourself to the bench. You know, and I learned I learned that a little harder than when I was younger. You know, I like I was like, yo, I'm doing the work. I got clean sheets. I got this. You know, I got tackles. I got the my, my passing out the back percentage is better than anybody on this team. Like, why are we sitting here contemplating about how I run my back line? It's just like because it's my team, Drew. Drew, you right. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. You know, I had to learn that. I had to learn that the hard way. You know, you get you get humbled, you get benched. Uh, but then again, that's just the ambition and uh, optimism in young players. You know, not necessarily they, they come around disrespectful, or uncoachable. It's just they feel like they know a lot of the game, and I feel like coaches should give a little bit more respect to some of the younger players because it's not like they're clueless; they're just younger. Yeah, I got a question for you, Drew. Um, speak about your debut. It was on ESPN. I remember watching it. I remember being in my room. I'm like, yo, let me turn this game on. I got, I got to see how my man Drew's going to play out there. How, how'd you feel? It was a bit, bit of a roller coaster, a little bit, right? Yo, with that game, I ain't going to knock you. Like, I was feeling it that game. I thought about it. I, it was the first half, and I made a good, I made a few good defensive plays and like some. And some like ball recovery plays where I was like, I was in my head, like in the zone. I'm like, yo, I'm on it today. I got to keep this ride going. You know, I'm like, I'm at a good, like at a good level right now. Don't let it come down for nothing. You know, so I'm always just like, I, after each good play, I'm just like, yo, it's not done. It's not done, you know? And, and then just like leading, like, it, so that's why the game was just so back to back the way it was. Like there was opportunity, but there weren't clear opportunities. You know what I mean? It was a fight between a bunch of good players on the field. And then... I can't tell that corner kick. I don't even know. <laughs> you know I just, I'm just remember moving and then, you know, move, move. I just, I, I remember Giassi Vardas was marking me. And then I just remember just, just, I just, I, I, something told me that day. Like, normally when I'm in the box, I don't even move like that. I kind of just wait till the ball is about to get served, get, get away from a man and go up. But that time I was just like, yo, move, move, move. Then swim, move. And then next thing later, the, the ball died out. Like, it like started coming down before. So I had to like duck down and hit it. You know, and, and just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just like, and like the ball hit me. I ain't hit the ball. Nah, <laughs> and, then like, and then I remember, um, who was the guy that was on the post? He actually scored the first goal. Starts with a Salaro, Salaro. I forgot what his name was. He was on the post. He could have cleared it out because it was it was it was in between him and the goalie. He could have cleared it out. I thought he was going to. He, I guess he assumed the goalie was gonna catch it. So they both like, you got it, you got it. And it got in between. I'm like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was a laugh. I was, I was going. I was ready, like, picking my shirt off, running to the corner and whatnot. Like, you know, Caleb Porter is over here telling Bruce Arena to suck it in. <laughs> <laughs>
That game really meant a lot to to Caleb, our coach. And the thing is, like, because he wanted to prove himself. You see what I mean? That, that was the biggest coach in American soccer at that time, Bruce Arena. You see what I mean? Ain't no if and buts about it. That's the biggest name in American soccer as far as coaching. You know what I mean? Then there's like Bob Bradley and stuff like that. So when I did, yo, when I did that and I saw Caleb's reaction, you know, the way he came up to me after the game, it's like he, like he looked at me and I looked at him like, yeah, we just made a statement today. And I was like, yeah, we did. Nah, that game was something like, that was the ultimate. I mean, don't get me wrong. The game winning goal is unreal, but that's not even like my favorite game in that, in that jersey. It was yeah. another game that was even on point playing against Houston, came into a game where we was losing, came back and won. You know what I mean? Like, when you're the defender that comes in the game when you're already losing, there's mad pressure because you got to kind of have to match the intensity, you know? So I came in there, da 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 we, we held out no more goals, and then we ended up scoring and won the game. So that was actually one of my favorite games. I ain't scored, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this was away? This is at Houston or in uh, Portland? Nah, this is at, this is at Portland. The environment yeah. nuts. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to mention, too, is the environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah man, yo, your point is this. They wild. Yo, they're they're another level. I I, I have mad respect for them. I, I still talk with a lot of them to this day, just because of out of respect, you know. And, yeah. um, I wish um, we could say the same for for our Red Bulls, man. The the atmosphere is atrocious, oh, man. Yo, Red Bull fans. Yo, Red Bull fans are like Real Madrid fans. They're just a there's a just a really high expectation. So anything less, they're just like. I don't even think it's that. I don't think they're as invested as they claim to be. Because we go to the stadium and it's like we're going crazy. Renee and I are going crazy. And everybody else is like, all right, let's go. Right. You know, another. You know what another thing is? A lot of those fans are Metro Star fans too. That's another thing. Because if you wasn't a Metro Star fan, yeah. you can't be a real Red Bull fan. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's why. That's why I cried when I got that jersey. When I had, I saw my name on the back because I, I know how far it goes back. I was there. At Mitchell Field, watching Clint Mathis take a free kick, you know what I mean? Like that goes back for me and stuff like that. So, you know what I mean? Like so, when I knew I was over here playing for that same organization, my 35, my numbers on the back of that right there. That I, I can't say the same for a lot of the fans, like you said. You know, maybe it don't mean to them like that. So, so let, let's move it over to your your last um, club that you were with. You were playing over in uh, Sweden, Umia, Umia, and yeah, Umia. You were a part of the team that helped the the club get promoted. You know, talk about that season, what that experience was like, you know, being over there. Obviously, you mentioned the language barrier. Talk to us a little bit about your experience. Yeah. Nah, that was that was a great that was a great club. I actually went into when I first went to Sweden. I had a different perspective because I was at a smaller club, but Umeå was actually one of the bigger clubs in that division. I didn't know that when I played against them. I beat them every time. But uh, when I actually was a part of that organization, they changed. Everything was different. But uh, being a part of them getting promoted, that was that was something nice. You know. I I, w- I almost wish I had like you know finished that with them uh you know and like actually like shared that last experience with them but I had my own uh I had my own thing that I needed to worry about I had to get back home and like you know recuperate for myself because I've been going so many years back to back to back living out of a suitcase living in this different country I just felt like there was a time where I actually created a gap like I actually created the time where I could worry about me you know what I mean plus I had a lot of offers coming in at that time so I was just like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna take this in right now you know what I mean but now nah, all, all kudos to the rest of the team I mean. For the most part, they were they were winning a lot of games with me there and without me there. So you know, um, I, as much as they respect me and you know the GM and the coach got in contact with me and said thank you because you helped uh, sculpt 
scope this team, that this championship winning team, promoting team, you know. So, you know, one day I'll go back there. You know, I have a lot of great people and friends over there. So Sweden won't be the last time. That won't be the last time I'll be in Sweden. So I was going to say, uh, you know, you represent the, the Haiti national team. Tell us about representing Haiti and what that meant for you. You know, you had a, you guys had a very, very successful run in the Gold Cup where a lot of standout performances by you, by your back line, your goalkeeper. And a lot of you guys stood out. Talk to us about that experience, playing against some of the top guys in the CONCACAF. I mean, I, I mean, I'll tell you straight up, like, I went into that camp as I was, I went into that camp fighting for the third center center back spot. And it, it, that's that's what I was fighting for. And then, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I don't like the way I got my, my playing time in that cup, but it arrived and I, I did what I had to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I did what I had to do, not only for me, but for the guys that came off, they had faith in me to do what they know I'm capable of doing. So, you know, uh, Step, going into the next game because the next game was Nicaragua after that you know you know the whole country like not, not, the whole country was just on shook you know they haven't seen me play in, in uh what's the game before that game actually I hadn't played a game in a minute now that I think about it yeah I've been called into camps and stuff like that but I haven't had a full 90 minutes with the national team under that coach for a while I think ever since like the when we played against Brazil before the before they won the Olympics that was the last time I, I had a full 90 minute under that coach so oh yeah my last game with them was like Trinidad when I scored the game winner that was my last game with them you know so going to this cup I didn't really have the support of like everybody in the country because it's like Jean-Baptiste man, like where was he I haven't seen him in a long time you know I had all this doubt but the team had all these high expectations the managers like nothing less than semifinals nothing less and I'm just like oh, all right, man, say no more let's do it you know and then Nicaragua was Nicaragua was the perfect game for me to get my nerves up then after that I was flying like I was I was good I have I, I felt like me again and then I knew I could just ball out and just you know, do what do what we always do what we always do. You know, have fun on the field. You know what I mean? Get stuck in on tackles. You know what I mean? Like that's that's all, that's that's all I had to do when going into the rest of the games. You know, our goalie freaking leader that he is picking balls out of the top ninety. All the guys on our team stepping up. Like our athleticism was unreal. So we was able to do things that other teams couldn't, and that's what made us so hard to do. You know what I mean? Like Costa Rica couldn't match our athletes. You know, Canada couldn't match our, match our athleticism. They had, they had tactics, but they couldn't match our athleticism. And that's what it came down to. Because even though they were tactically playing well, they had to work 10 times harder, even in those situations when they knew they had possession. Because we was always hot on them, on them, on them. You know, like, there was no breath pressure, breath air. You know, they were just always on to be impressed. You know, it's like the poppy leaves. Every time you turn around, you're about to get hit by somebody. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's how it was in that little Gold Cup. No team was safe. Like, we didn't give them no respect. Maybe Mexico we gave respect to. But all the other teams, we didn't care. We were like, nah, gunning that shot. You know, and I felt like if we gunned that Mexico, we would have gave up a goal earlier. But I guarantee you, we would have scored one too. Uh, because they would have got they would have got relaxed and we would have kept on going you know but. as carlos alluded to in his intro soccer is back in certain parts of the world specifically in germany you being a professional soccer player you being on the field with your brothers out there for 90 minutes and picture it this way you don't see anybody in the stands it's just empty seats as a player what are your thoughts going into that game? Is it is it weird or is it you know what business as usual? Business as usual. We gotta go out there. We gotta play the ninety minutes. We gotta score goals. We gotta get the win. So so here's the thing. I played in some teams where you know a stadium fit like twenty thousand, and we probably had like a few hundred. And you know you kind of get a cut. You kind of get used to it. So it's like okay, whatever. But it's still weird though. It's still weird. If you took all those fans out, it's still weird. It's still, it just still feels weird. It feels like a preseason match. But now when you're accustomed to 40,000 fans, 50,000 fans, 
and then you come into a, 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 a stadium that is empty, you know, you can hear a, a church mouse fart. Like, that's, yo, that's a whole nother environment, bro. <laughs> like, it's just completely different, man. Like, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm watching the, the these games. You hear everything. You hear every time they hit the ball off their yeah. foot. You hear every information. You know, so in a way, it kind of changes the game because information is being able to be given out so easily. Because I'll tell you, when you're on the pitch, you put 5,000 fans, it's too. It's hard to hear the guy next to you. 10,000 fans, I doubt it. 15, 20,000 fans, there's no chance you can hear the man next to you. But now you have zero silence, you know? You can hear everything. So tactically, teams are a little bit, they're actually defending and a little bit more structured uh, as far as like in the game. But as far as the feeling of it, nah, man, it's... It's weird. You hear it's weird, bro. The good news is they get to play. Yeah, uh, that was the whole point of it, you know, because like we got up early on Saturdays to watch these games, really? you know, uh, to see the Dortmund game, to see the Leipzig game, and you just see you just see the guys out there. It's kind of like you know business as usual. You know, go out mm-hmm. there like you said, make your tackles. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get the get the ball from point A to point B. Find your open man. Go exactly. down the wings. It's the same thing, but yeah. it just it, it was so weird not to see anybody there. Like yeah. Yeah. I know for me, for a fact, being a fan of the game and being a ticket holder of the game, if I wasn't able to go to a game, which probably I won't be able to for the foreseeable future, it's gonna be weird as hell, dude. Seriously, like I'm, I want to be there. Yeah, hope you get a refund, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hope you got an email from the staff or somebody talking about... I have been. I'm about to say, that's... I've been getting some emails. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a few. We'll, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, but no, nah, 100%, though, even watching the game from... Even from our point of view, and just that's just watching it from the TV screen. It was still weird. It's just like, hey, nobody there. You don't hear the fans. You know? You don't... Yeah, because you know when fans are when the fans are going off, it sets yeah. a whole it sets a whole another feeling inside. Like it, the adrenaline just gets like oh, it just gets pumping, you know, and the blood is just just start start pumping through your veins, and you just you start to feel it. But if you take that out, you kind of lose that, you know. And now you're just like now you're just playing. But either way, at the end of the day, at least they're playing. In a recent interview on BBC's Football Focus, Klopp added some perspective to the situation of soccer being without fans, and he said, "quote." We all started playing football without supporters, and we love this game, not because of the atmosphere in the stadium, end quote. And do you really think that soccer can survive without fans? No, no, not at all. As far as the back office and just the overall sensation of playing in front of fans, it will not. This is temporarily, temporarily, it's already affected us all. And uh, if this were to go on a more permanent basis, I, I couldn't imagine. It's going to change. The, it's just going to just change the face of football itself. The, the love of playing in front of your supporters is the, the next best feeling of playing in a, in a stadium packed with people, you know? Like, even here at Valor, they get about seven to 10,000 fans per, uh, per game. That's a good average, you know? That's that's a lot of screen fans. You take that out, like, in the back office, you know, they take the financial hit off because, you know, they lose uh, ticket revenue. But then the, the, the sensation on the field, it's it, it won't be a permanent thing. It's going to... It's going to change everything. Well, you put the nail in, in the coffin there. The the whole thing is the money aspect. Like, it, it's all right. You know, we've all played in front it, it, with no people around us, you know, whether it be like, you know, in the parks in Brentwood or, you know, yeah, like exactly. Andrew playing in, in, in certain stadiums around the world. Some some teams just don't have the same amount of yeah. fan base, the same amount of people going to the games. The way that affects everybody is that 
those ticket revenues go a long way to being able to buy players, to, to pay these players. You're not going to be able to bring in the people to actually get your team going. So if you, if this becomes a permanent thing, a lot of teams are going to be in a lot of trouble. Some teams might have to fold, uh, you know, especially like lower tier teams. I'm not talking about the big guns or anything like that. They're going to be good for, for years and years and years to come. It's the, the lower tier teams that are really going to be affected by this if this continues to move forward. And if things were to keep on going, you know, the, the next biggest hit that everybody's going to have to deal with, because I'm sure they can adjust and adapt and, you know, figure out some way to get this all through digital and have better TV deals. And, you know, apps are going to be created where you can only watch games in this stadium, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be a way that they figure that out to watch it through your mobile device. But, you know, the next biggest hit that's going to come down to is player salaries are going to go down. It's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the next... That's the next hit you know staff staff already been people are already getting let go from their jobs you know the next big hit is going to be player salary angel you got anything to add to that no i was just going to say about the same thing you know the player salary would be the tv deals the tv deals would definitely help out and you would have to find a way the league would have to find a way to you know show those lower tier teams and get them some tv deal money because if not then they would have to fold without the fans without the TV deal money. You know, they're not selling enough jerseys that's going to supply everybody. The thing also is, like, just looking at it from the sports perspective of here in the United States, you've had owners or, you know, front office management say that not having actual people in the stands, right, in terms of, like, buying tickets, that that gives, that that hits them about 40, 50% of their, their budget. Yep. So, like, just you take that away. I mean, 100%. players aren't going to be paid. Front office people aren't going to be paid. Like you said, people are, gonna start, people are starting to get laid off. You know, people yeah, are just not going to have anywhere to go. They're not going to have any jobs. Because you also have to remember, at the end of the day, it's the owners that still want to make their bank off of this. You see what I mean? So, as soon as they feel like, it's like, okay, I can either take less in my pocket and so I can maintain how much I'm still paying everybody or – keep what keep what I get the same and just tell everybody else to come down. So it's who's going to take the hit. The owner has a choice in that. My pockets or y'all? Yeah. Well, where do you think that's going to go to though? Like, come on now. Like, which, it's which, gonna, which, which his pockets end up coming right back into it, but still, like, or, or he or she, but like, yo, it's yeah. just going to lead to a lot of disgruntled soccer players. I'll tell you that. Yes. I, I got hit with a 25% pay cut out here, man. Like, you know, you ain't got to tell me twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be rioting. <laughs> yeah, what are those dumb college kids use? They use what, tiki torches and <laughs> Dude, yo, I'd be torching. <laughs> like, like, that's it. Twenty-five percent pay cut. <laughs> we're beefing. <laughs> it's, it, no, it, it it hurts, man. It hurts, and you know, you being somebody who's you know in the profession who is playing soccer, and you just you just let us know you took a twenty-five percent pay cut. I mean, that that must like really sort of hit you where it hurts the most. You get what I'm saying? Because like you know, you, this is your this is your living, right? You're you're living out your dream but you're also paying your bills off of your dream. And exactly. Trust, man, the, the, the side of football isn't always so pretty on some situations. You know what I mean? Like, some people think, like, everybody can take, like, you know, like, all right, Messi makes, let's let's just say he makes, like, 17, 17 million a year. It's not. He makes more than that. But we're going to just say seven, uh, we're going to say 15, right? You tell him to take half of that, he's still a millionaire. <laughs> you know what I mean? You tell him to take 25% of that, he's still yeah. a millionaire. You see what I mean? But if you're taking 25% of pads that are not even, that are, like, either not even the six figures or just barely touching the six figures and stuff like that. And it's like, that's a bigger hit. 
Yeah. You know, that's that's a bigger hit. That 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 hits their savings a whole lot differently than it would hit Messi's. You know, like, come on, you know, but it is what it is. It's like, you know, leagues are, you know, structured differently, so they all have their own budget. So that's understandable as well. But hey, if if Messi can if, if Barcelona is only taking like eight, ten, twelve percent, no other league should be taking anything more than what those guys are making and they make millions. You see what I mean? If guys are making less than that, then they shouldn't be getting taxed more. That doesn't mathematically even make sense. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just that, this is also the sad side of all this. It's yeah. that we all got to deal with. You know? but, For those that caught some of the games over the weekend, uh, did you find players to be in match day form in terms of like their quality? And is there anybody or anything in particular that stood out to you in a positive or negative light? And, uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> I mean, I... It's all negative, but you guys should start with positives. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound biased, but Bayern didn't look good. No, there was one no, no, or two no. players that looked good. Leipzig didn't look good. Leipzig looked good in certain moments. They they held possession for a majority of that game. Like, a ma- they like they didn't create they any didn't, chances. No, I know, I, I know, I know. But I'm, what I'm saying is they dominated in terms of possession. But they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Their forward was mis- was shanking balls left and right. It, it came down to Paulson, who who actually, who actually got the goal. But I mean, Dortmund played overall the best game out of everybody during yeah. the, the the first week great. back for the German league. I mean, they looked like they didn't even mess a step. They they looked like they've been practicing for the, the this entire quarantine. <laughs> they had secret team training. They didn't tell nobody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now Bayern, on the other hand, they was they was looking. They didn't look as clean as they like. I saw, I saw some balls from Thiago that was like, yeah, mm, you don't do that. The, the only one for me that stood out was Nabri. For me, Nabri was the only one who who. Yeah. Nah, actually, him and Davies. Davies was he was yeah, smooth. That boy he Davies. Was definitely the first half. He was definitely smooth. I didn't I didn't see any uh, misstep from him. You know, but mm-hmm. a lot of the other guys, it just it just. But then again, it's the first game. Let them yeah. rest yeah. a little bit. You know. Like training sessions are never compared in comparison to games, you know. Let's uh, let's see you next week. David Davies yeah. is a smooth dude, man. He's <laughs> there's something about that kid that just it just flows. It doesn't matter the flow of the game, whether you know his what? team is doing bad or not. It, it, he's just always there. This is this is what happens when you take a winger and convert him into an outside back. You're gonna have a smooth, shaky, you know what I mean, like a smooth <laughs> attacker defending, and then when they attack, oh crap, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> Davies. You saw what he did on us. Absolutely. <laughs> that game against Chelsea, bro, he demolished. Ready? Just spread on that whole line. Yep. He ain't doing that against Haiti, though. <laughs> 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 he, he ain't do that against my he ain't get, he ain't do that against my boy right back. He ain't do that him do. Yo, that guy, yo, that, that right back we had that year on uh the cuff plays in League Two. Only lead two, bro. This is one of the best right backs I've ever played. Bro, I was surprised that your goalkeeper at the time was – he didn't play for anybody. He wasn't attached. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't been playing for a club for like three years. <laughs> and he, the way that he played during during that, that, that Gold Cup, I was like, how is he not playing on the team? Bro, when you got it, you got it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. John, yo, Placide, he got it. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He, he trained with one of his old clubs back in France. He okay. just doesn't play games. You know, so in other words, he relatively gets the same amount of training as a backup goalkeeper. Just doesn't play games. You know, so he still he still stays. True. That's the that's the moralizing though, man. Like, you you have what it takes to be to be where you need to be. It's just nobody nobody takes a chance on you, bro. Like, dude, that's that's crazy. And I tell you this right now, Haitians don't really get that chance. You know, like the Haitians nah, that no, live they in, don't. They don't. The ones that live in Europe, they get, they ball out. The ones that are from Haiti, 
Dog, yeah. unless, one of, unless one of them, like, went crazy in the U-17 World Cup or U-20 World Cup, whatever one that they played, then they get, like, picked out. Like, oh, this dude is nice. But it's never – none of them are ever the, the defenders. I'll say that right now. We're all the attack. You know, all of, all of our best Haitians that came from the Western Hemisphere all, were all attackers that got picked up. Like, ooh, okay, he's nasty. He's nasty. And then they brought him over to Europe. The rest of them, we just kind of just struggled trying to do what we can. You know what I mean? Knocking on doors, getting contacts with certain people that could, you know, put us in a good situation. Other than that, we don't get that scouting. Come on, man. Like, look at the Gold Cup run, run we had. Name what, what, like, the biggest signing that we had was uh, our center mate going to Montreal. Yeah. You see what I mean? Really? That's the only guy on our team that bowled out that whole tournament? Really? Nobody mm. else bowled out? <laughs> it's, really? Yeah, it's, the, it's demoralizing. It, it, it really is. It hurts your soul, man. Like, yo, cool. I'm bowling out. But nobody's really noticing. What the hell's going on? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, shoot, Costa Rica had, like, I think like seven guys get offered from into the MLS, some into Europe and stuff like Kudershaw had offered into MLS into the, like, yo, but then again, Kudershaw, their whole team plays in Holland. That's another reason. Their whole team plays in Holland. Yeah. Aloy Room, Aloy Room came from, uh, from Holland. Yeah, dog, they're not, dog. They're, I, I give it a Kudershaw. Yo, they popped out of nowhere. I was just like, yeah, hey, a squad. I saw their yeah. squad. I'm like, yo, who are these dudes? <laughs> yo, they came through flying. I was like, yo, these dudes are nasty. I think it was like 17 or number 10. This dude was ridiculously nasty. Well, like, well, look at look at it that way, right? Like, there's there's players in every single country. Just nobody gives them a chance. Nobody wants to go over there and look at them because if you go to each country and you could pick, you know, pick and choose one player to pick out of each country, you're gonna find somebody. There's always a needle in the haystack somewhere. My, the same right back on my team that shut down Davies was marking up the winger for Nicaragua, right? And this dude. I ain't, he didn't beat our right back, but he had him, he had him working hard that game. That dude, that winger for Nicaragua, never lost the ball one time in 90 minutes. That dude is nice. Anybody give a look at him? Nope. No one, no one, no one signed him. It just him. doesn't happen. Yeah, my, my, my thing, yo, this is the part that gets me all the time is like, you have all these people talking about like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I'm a scout here, I'm a scout there, I'm a, you know, I, I run this academy there. Y'all don't see talent. Y'all really don't see talent. You know what I mean? Like they just they just claiming titles, but in reality, they're not even that good at their job. Because if you did, you would see the nasty ass dude that all these other lower countries have, the smaller countries have in comparison. But because we're not, you know, we're not USA, we're not Mexico. You know what I mean? We're not Costa Rica. Ain't nobody giving looks. We had the best back line in the whole. We had the best back line in the whole tournament. Not one defender got signed anywhere. How's that possible? But then you look at the defenders in the MLS. Don't even. I, I don't want to get too much in, invested in that, but. <laughs> You know, yeah, no. no, you're right. Come on now, you, yo. Do we have to pull up tape? Let me <laughs> nah. show me a game where I, I ended up on somebody's highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. Show me a game where someone met me and scored a nasty ass goal. That that didn't happen. That didn't happen back when I. But they pay mind to the guy that you know he's six foot four, can head a ball because he's six foot four. <laughs> <laughs> he don't jump high. He's tall. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to pay mind to that. But then you talk to other people. They're like, nah, he asked. But he came from Costa Rica. <laughs> he came. He came from Mexico. You know what I mean? Dang, dang. He came from Brazil. <laughs> he came from Argentina. You know what I mean? Like they have the, they have the country's name behind them that supports them. So it don't matter. It don't matter, dog. It's it's about the country behind. You. I'm getting heated right now. My fault. I'm getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> Who put salt in the game? <laughs> nah, hey, listen. It, it, it's good for content because this way, like you, you let out your true emotions, like your true feelings about things. And nah, it is what you're, you're, you're not wrong. You're you're not necessarily wrong. Like we're we, my Carlos, myself, and Gio, we're Salvadorian, right? We're from. We have parents that came from Central America. We've seen the the, the national team play a game. 
we've seen some of the players that have come up through that crop. Yeah. Some of them, uh, some of them have the ability to make it professionally into in certain teams just some they just don't get the opportunity because they're from a country that doesn't relatively get you know the same look as the united states or mexico el salvador el salvador has that dude in the middle that has the braids Mm -hmm. yeah one of the nastiest center midfielders in the whole tournament bro this dude is smooth he's small he's like He's like Diego Chada at Portland. He's uh, he 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 covers ground. Yep. He covers ground everywhere. He don't lose the ball like that. You know he's composed. But whatever, I'll get it back. I'll split the I'll split the center backs, get it off of him, and drive into space, and then get my passes off. This dude is nice. Had a great tournament. Does anybody pay mind to that? Hey. No. <laughs> Once again, we go right back into the night. I saw that. I saw what I got to spot. Hey. They just listen, we lost, uh, look, no disrespect to them, but we lost to the Dominican Republic, and they're not even soccer yeah, I don't, players. I don't really like talking so, about soccer. You know, <laughs> a little inconsistencies in as far as like the defense is concerned, and they can't get a striker out of out of anywhere. They don't. Yeah, have no, no, no. That's my probably one of the other part. Uh, one of the issues uh, is, is to get like a real, real, like a big time number striker. nine. They yeah. haven't. Develop one or produce one, and then they need one more good center back. They have one guy that plays in. Uh, I was talking to him. He plays in Bolivia. He plays in South America, somewhere in South America. Not like Colombia, Argentina. But he plays at one of the Venezuela, maybe. He plays over there. He's good. That center back was good, but the other one was like thirty something years old. Smart, but come on. Yeah. You know what it is too. They all think they're strikers. You know, they they all think that they can they can get the opportunity to play striker, and that's the whole problem. Everybody, like, if you really look. Yeah, go ahead, go. No, I was going to say, if you really look at it, like, they, they all put it upon themselves. They think that they, they, they can take on the other team on, on their own. And that's the whole problem. Selfishness is the word yeah, I was looking for. Yeah. That's also an ego thing that goes with, like, you know, Hispanic and black countries. We, we have fat-ass egos, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know that it's ego. I just don't think they have the tactical skills to create opportunities the way some a team like, let's say, the U.S., can can create. El Salvador doesn't have the, the right outside mids that can create those spaces for uh, somebody up top. They just, my my opinion is that they, they don't just don't have that. They don't have they, that. But the thing is, you could teach that and they just probably haven't had the coach to, but the thing is, Absolutely. they can have the coach to come teach it, but once again, it goes back to that ego thing. If the players don't feel like learning from that coach. That's true. You know I mean? mm-hmm. like it's, and people don't like playing for their coach. They don't care. What oh, <laughs> playing for a coach you don't like? Ain't yeah. That yeah, I know. I don't know. Trust me, I know that one very well. I know that one very well. Can't say names, you know. Nah, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) But but, so you're saying you've had instances like that. You've had coaches that that's like, I don't want to play for this man. I don't want to play for this person. (laughs) Those are few. I was like, yo, you about to squat up, bro? Yeah, y'all got me tight right now. Yeah, I'm just saying nonsense. And, like, they have their own biased opinions. So regardless of what you say, you know, because, like, I, for example, I'm going to give you this scenario. If you're if you're attacking midfielder, putting a good ball into the box that beats the defender because he saw the position of the defender and put a ball to beat him because he saw where he could move and saw where he, he wouldn't be able to get it, right? So you say good ball if that was your attacking player. But as a defender, as the defending team coach, you'd be like, you're out of position. It's just like, don't you ever give credit to the person who played the ball? You know what I mean? But the def- you're, the coach of that defending player will never see it. Like they just be like, "Nah, you're out of position." It's just like, I mean, then you really don't understand both sides of the game. You know what I mean? The, once again, and now if you get into a little disagreement with each other, now you come off as uncoachable. Like, what players can't be right too? Like, what just because you're the coach doesn't mean you can't be right. Yeah. But that's the thing, though. Coaches don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they could possibly be wrong. And after that, everything is done. Everything is undone right there. 
in that one moment. Just be like, what? They'll be like, I said cross the um, defend that. I had my man. You had who? Then after that, boom, everything. Yo, just because you talk like that one time, boom, everything just gets thrown out the window. Every respect that you have from that coach gets thrown out the window. You have to like work four or five times harder just to get that. And that's the hard part. You Then you end up playing for a coach that you just don't even like because you don't respect them and now they don't respect you. What do you do? Now you can't do it. Just keep on playing. You can't, you can't do much because if you do, then <laughs> you're not going to be playing with them anymore. Exactly. And then like, that's the thing though. And supporters be like, nah, he's an asshole. He doesn't, y'all do not know what's going on over here. Y'all do not know the the like the, the countless disrespect that goes down in the locker room that a player has to endure from their coach. They have to just be. But when they get a player, that's like, mm, hold on, I'm going to say something. If you was right, I would sit here and be quiet. But you're not right. You see what I mean? Like, but that's that's where it's at right there, you know? Nobody, want, nobody wants to hear the play that's like, I have a voice. <laughs> oh, man. Coaches are something else. You just got to deal with it. I learned that later. Too late, obviously. But yeah. By the way, for hating, I don't understand a damn thing that coach said, by the way. So I don't even have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, I understand. Two words. Say bon? We, triple. Uh, no, no, no. We. <laughs> We didn't talk no tactics that whole tournament. The only time he ever tells me, he's like, all right, we got to step our lineup. We got to each of y'all pick up a, a striker. That's that's the only tactic this man gave me the whole the whole tournament. Everything else, he just let it right on for me because he trusts his players. You see what I mean? He trusts them to make the right decision. Right? Everybody else want to see him control you like it's a, like it's people. Like, nah, bro, you can't move me into spaces that I can't get to. <laughs> so what what team what team, I'm, I'm actually interested. What team did you grow up grow up rooting for when you were young? All right, you're going to find me as a very complicated person right now. And this, this is not going to make sense to any of y'all. And before we even continue, like, can go even further, I want to just point out the fact that if a city has 10 teams in that city, they're all not rivals just because they're all in the same city. All right? I'm just saying that right now. Right. My, team, my team's in. So I'm going to start from, like, from each league. I had a team from each league in Italy. It was Roma. Spain. Barca. Germany. Bayern, obviously. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, I didn't know Dortmund back then. Like, I saw the team with the yellow and the cool fans, but I didn't know who it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it takes a little offense to that. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to interrupt him, but like I haven't been a Dortmund fan my whole life. I, one of one of my good friends when my, when I was in high school, he's like, "Yo, you got to check out Lewandowski." Became yeah. a Lewandowski fan, and then I just I saw the fan base, and I was like, "Yo, I love I love this club." Like I like. No, you're 100 right. That was the first time I recognized. Uh, that was the first time I recognized Dortmund. It was what uh, it was what Lewandowski did in the Euro, yeah. and then I was like, "Wait, where does he play?" The Poland striker, and they were like Dortmund. Then I started watching Dortmund. I was like, "Yo, hold up, this is a team." And then yeah. after that. You know, German soccer kind of changed. Attract, but, yeah, they attract a little bit more attention to me. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that um, and then England. <laughs> my two teams are Arsenal and Chelsea. Two teams. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 nah. whoa. Two, no, 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 no. First of all, listen. First of all, all right. You, you got to pick one or the other. You can't both. Those are. be a fan of both. I don't get listen, that one. Because you, you know why? Because you know why? My favorite center back. Is John Terry. Peter Check is my favorite goalie. Okay. Lampard, utmost respect for Lampard. Drugba, he's the reason. He's the reason why I, I turned it. Like when I when I first thought about playing striker, it was because of Henri. But when I realized I couldn't play like Henri, Drugba painted the picture. You feel me? So the and then Henri, Patrick Vieira. When I played D mid, I I all I want to do is imitate imitate him and Essien. I used to call Essien my dad. Like what? So <laughs> a freaking uh, tank in the back line. I don't even like William Gallas because I didn't care. He went Chelsea and Arsenal, but then he went to Tottenham. I can't, I can't respect that move. I can't do it. Nah, chill, chill, chill. Nah, <laughs> that's another thing about Anthony Chelsea. 
They both hate Tottenham. I respect that and I love that. Bruh. The day the day you have two rival teams singing together in a stadium talk about Tottenham, then what? Point. Let me let me let me see Real Madrid and Barca fans cheering together, talking about go be Atletico. You will never see it. You know it's here because they're too hard. Of, they're too uh, hardcore rival. They're too hardcore rival. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. You, <laughs> All of them are like stuck it's right kind now. Kind of hard to grasp right now. <laughs> I know it's hard. Yo, and my first game that I watched EPL was Arsenal versus Chelsea. The game ended two two. I don't know, man. That's it. It was over. It was no, over. I couldn't make them. Yo, just like they couldn't. They couldn't find a winner. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. <laughs> he left it so, solely up to that. Game, he's like, whoever yeah, I left it all down to that game. It was like, two, two. Ah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I'm still nah, a little flabbergasted. If I really had to go into it and be like, I have to pick my team, like, if I had to put one over the other, I'd be Arsenal 100%. All right, so we're just gonna roll with that. You're an Arsenal fan. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna roll with that. I, I just had to, I just had to toss that in there because if you ever see me cheering on Chelsea, you know why, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, hold on, like, fraud, fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you can't they, root for both, man. Yo, when they play, to, when they play against each other, I just be sitting there like devil's advocate, just like, you know, I'm just over here just. Mixing I, don't them th- up. I don't think as much recently because those games haven't been as interesting. Yo, uh, in uh, yo, you know what's one disappointment? I didn't care. Chelsea won the Euro, the Europa League. It was just how it happened, yeah. bro. Arsenal beat Chelsea four times that year, four times, and I'm like, all right, they about to go to the Europa League finals. This is going to be a hell of a match. You know, Chelsea got something to prove. Arsenal got the most games won. And then it was, what, 4-1? I was like, oh. Arsenal just can't win anything. That's just what it is. I'm just like, yo, for them, it's like, yo, just it, that was the moment they were like, yo, just stick to FA Cups. Just. It, l- listen, if there's anything with a cup at the end, Arsenal doesn't show up. Unless it's FA. No, FA Cups, they, they have the most FA Cups. You, you get what I mean, though. Like, oh, 100%, it, it, 100%, 100%, 100%. I still take that over a Tottenham fan. They have never seen a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what it's like to celebrate my team winning a trophy. Tottenham can't. Tottenham can't. <laughs> you guys, as uh, as Premier League fans, I don't know if you guys saw, but they announced that the clubs agreed to step into stage one of the return to training protocols. Do you guys think that if the year was to be suspended, should uh, Liverpool be awarded the championship? The Man United fan in me says no. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, just as, just for banter, I don't want them to win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to win. But uh, out of respect for the game and the fact that they're, what, six points away from the title? Two wins? Three wins yeah. away? Yeah. Is it mathematically possible for them to lose it if they were to lose every single game? Not for the rest of the season. There's six points. Away. There's nine so. games. There's nine games away. Nine nine games left, and they only have. There's six points away, right? From mathematically uh, being impossible, right? or something like that. I mean, it'd be injustice for them. They performed so well. They've been an incredible run. You know what I'm saying? And this is coming from a Man United fan. You know, so, I'd be crushed if I was one of those players. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, so look at it this way. All right. So Liverpool have 82 points. There's the second place team has 57. <laughs> oh my so god. Liverpool <laughs> is closer to. <laughs> To winning it than they are to losing. So at the end of the day, if they if they suspended the season, as much as it pains me to say it, you gotta award them the title. Yeah, they, they, they are they are closer to a hundred points than the next team is close as close to them. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's actually crazy. 
give them the damn trophy, man. As much as I, for banter, you know, that we don't get to make fun of them anymore. iPhone wasn't even out since the last time they won like uh, EPL title. You know, yeah. We're going to have to come up with some new jokes, but you know what? <laughs> you got to give it up to the team. I mean, listen, I, I'm a United fan. I, I'm a United fan. And, and like like Gio said, I wouldn't want them to win the title. I don't want them to win the title. If, they, if there was an option to strip them of the title before it even got awarded to them, hell yeah, go for it. But I mean, yeah. th- this is a team that literally had put everything together. Uh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like 82 points, bro. Like they, they're, just, they're that close. You really can't rip that away from them. If they you, won it already. If you look at history and history, speaking of last year, they had a, a pretty big lead. And Man City went in the final break of the season, 14 games in a row, 14 Ws. And stole the championship. You know what I'm saying? It's not out of question for for a team to, you know. Yeah, but all all these teams have 29, 28 games played already. How many how many games are in a season? Thirty what? Thirty four? I think thirty eight. Yeah, you can't make up that gap. It's it's that's a twenty something point gap. I, I'm bad at math. Nah. But holy <laughs> crap! Like you, you can't do that. It's that's like literally impossible to do. Like. It's not gonna happen, bro. It's not. It's gonna, not. I, yeah. You'd have to. You'd have to play two games. Two games a day in order to make up that gap. Bro, they lost one game the whole season. I give yo, bro. Nah, man. No team's catching up to. Them. It's just like, and it's almost a smack in the face for anybody to be like, yeah, but the city or Man City could still catch up. Like, no. no. <laughs> no it's not happening. No. no it's, it's disrespectful to think that they would bottle it that bad. Like, come on. But how how hilarious would it be that the okay. year that they're actually going to win the title, it should get stripped from them. <laughs> there is no title winner this year. <laughs> oh, no, what would, what would be funny? What would be funny? Them getting they they cancel the city. Uh, they they cancel the season. They get stripped of the title, and we continue on with our jokes that they've never won it, or. Uh, or they continue on the season and then they actually lose every single game, bottle it, bottle it. <laughs> Bottling it. I want to see them bottle it. <laughs> Bro. Now, to, now to, that's to what me, I'm right? Saying, though, they, like mathematically, they could lose. They could lose the season. There's 10 games left. That's 30 points. They would have they to lose every single game. Yeah, huh? you know, see, now, and that's 10 games. Like, if, if it was 10 games and they had to play Man City, Chelsea, and, and Tottenham in those 10 games, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. They, they're not. Yeah, let it play. Like, who, who was their next game anyway? I'll tell you right Everton. now. I actually had it right here. Everton. Everton? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I don't understand about Everton? Everton has three Barcelona, uh, uh, former Barcelona players. Former players from, like, top players, like, top leagues uh, in this league. Uh, Bernard, you know, who was an aspect that, you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho praised highly. You got Sigerson, Ball, and Cabral Lewin, clearly an English striker that that is favored. You know what I mean? Sigurdsson, their big time $50 million signing. You know what I mean? Uh, Pickford, that's their goalie. That team is stacked. They can't they... string a ball together like Barcelona. They can't even pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, yo, it's funny. Now I see why Yerimina didn't, didn't last long in Barcelona. Yeah, that was just he's funny, not, bro. He's not, he's not as sticky taka as Pique. Like, they want him to replace Pique. He's not as no, he, he, he's like you said before. He's tall. He could, he could, he could win a header. And, you know, that's... Listen, I'm I'm half Colombian, so I I totally understand it, right? Yeah. So like, when you see a tall dude like that, freakishly tall, he's like six something, who can go into the air and win an aerial ball whenever he wants to. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get big money out of it. But on a club like Barcelona, that that builds out of the fact that's pass, 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 shoot. You can't really incorporate 
let me go up into the air and head that ball yeah. type of player. I mean, shoot, they barely even put the ball in the air in the first place. Like <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Like, their corner kicks, sometimes I wonder why they even do corner kicks. It's like, okay, we know who you're aiming for, but get some people, you know. <laughs> their, in, their indirect free kicks turn out to be direct free kicks. Like, yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> you know, but so they, like it. I feel like Mitchie's more going to goal from corner kicks than he's actually trying to find somebody. <laughs> uh, yeah, he has a better chance. Oh. <laughs> I trust him. <laughs> guys hear what uh, Wayne Rooney had to say about PK at his time at United? No, what he said. He got, like, bullied at a game, right? Yeah, at a, at a lower-tier game, too. At a, at a, you know, not a, not, a big, not a big game. I don't even know if they were in the top division, this team. They were playing, like, an FA Cup against a lower-team division. And he said he was getting bullied out there, and Sir Alex was like, no, this guy's not going to survive here in the EPL. That PK was being chewed out as a striker? Yeah, he was a striker back then, huh? Oh my gosh! I mean, as far as what what they're looking for for EPL strikers, yeah, he don't cut it. He don't cut it. I don't see him holding off David Luiz, getting a long ball, just you know, let it sit on the pick it down, and you know, nah, that that ain't his thing. Yeah. It's it's something different about the transitioning over to the EPL. Like the EPL is such a physical league. Like yeah. it's compared to every other league in the world. Like Spain is more like a tactical league, and you know, you look at it that way. And in, the English Premier League is just <laughs> can you hold on? <laughs> Can you hold on for dear life? And that's why Yeti Mina does so well in the EPL. He he gets he's a that. big dude. That's why he's a big ass dude. Yeah, and like and he, he hits good long balls, but like Barca doesn't really like long balls like that. PK is not even allowed to do that. You only the only time PK hits long balls is if it's wide open. <laughs> if it's not wide open, then why? Because the thing is, because you look at the transition of the field, right? If that outside back. If your winger or your outside back is wide open, it's because one of their wingers is tucked in trying to squeeze this in, trying to pack in numbers. But now if they're not open because their wingers are actually spread out, they're, they're kind of man-to-man marking or zonal marking their, their player out there. So that means the space is in the middle of the field. So that space, mean, that space means Messi can get in those spaces. And he has to get, well, you know, Rakitic or De Jong can get in those spaces. Griezmann can. That's what they want. Only when it's compact, that's when it's like, I right, get it out. Let's let's spread them in the transition. Then the spaces open up, and then they play through them again. Barca, I don't know, but the way Barca does it is just so nice. Only the only successful team style that I can't understand is Chelsea's and Real Madrid. Like the teams that won games, like the way Real Madrid doesn't. There's no there's no structure that you can sit here and break it down like Barca's. Like there has to be three options to every single t- every person that touches the ball, you know. But they just work, and they win, and they work so damn hard. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. And like, yo, and then you look at Athletic Madrid is the exact same way. As far as their attacking structure, I couldn't put I couldn't I couldn't draw it up. Their defensive structure I can draw it up, but their attacking, it's just a bunch of hardworking, technical, skillful players. Hard, working hard. Ridiculously hard. You know, and I give them that. Let me let me ask y'all a, a question. Who got Mr. Softy in the background? <laughs> I wish. Oh, uh, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here moving like my headphone. I'm over here moving my headphones. Honestly, I thought it was me too. I was like, damn, man. I'm over here muting my mic. Carlos going to miss the truck. Yeah, you know, so I was about to text my sister, like, yo, grab me one. I said that. <laughs> yeah, I just thought of Hubert from Family Guy. You want ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, nah, with that being said, Andrew, I want to thank you again for coming on the 5050 Ball podcast and joining us for this bonus episode. Uh, Angel Giovanni, thank you for joining us as well. Appreciate you guys. You guys, thank you. Best of luck uh, with this upcoming season. You know, uh, wishing you peace and health during these troubling times. And nothing but the best would we'll be rooting for you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that. I, l- I definitely let you guys know. I mean, after this season and they open up the borders and everything, they let teams play in like different uh, cities and stuff. When I get out to Toronto, you guys can come up, you know, and just take that. And now, you know, you come through. <laughs> Yo, we crash it out in Toronto, you know, come through, watch a game, and then we chill out there for the thing, you know? Definitely, brother. I'm taking that one up. I'm going. <laughs> So, I, I mean, one thing, we got to wait for this pandemic, bad boy, but, you know, I, yeah. think I'll stay, nah, I hear you. I think I'll stay in Canada for another season just because, like, I kind of, I really do like it out here. People are nice. You know what I mean? Like, the, the venues, you know, seven, ten thousand 10,000 people a state of the game. But, yeah, once again, guys, I appreciate it, man. Take care. God bless you guys. Thank you. Absolutely, bro. Thank you.